Chinakwea, Nomai, Heidi Mai, welcome to Animal Matters, Safe's fortnightly podcast, except it's been a, a little bit more than a fortnight this time around. It's been busy times at Safe, but we're back here again to talk about the most pressing issues impacting animals. Here joined by Courtney White, as usual. Kia ora, Courtney, how are you? Kia ora, Will, how are you going? It is very warm in Christchurch. Really? It's absolutely freezing here in Wellington. I tried to open the window, but it's too noisy because of the wind. So I'm just going to bake in here whilst we have a chat. Um, so if I look a bit sweaty, um, that's why. I'm going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine because no one else can see you. So it's absolutely that's right. fine. Sweat away. Um, look, we're joined here by a special guest today, Courtney. Do you want to make an introduction? We are. We are joined by our head of campaigns, Jess Chambers. Welcome, Jess. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, you guys. No, it's so good to have you. And we've got a lot to obviously talk about. Lots of things have been cropping up in the media lately that we have been talking about for quite some time. So it's awesome to have you here. You're the font of knowledge on all of these campaign issues. So it's great to have you join us. Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready to chat. Awesome. So one of the things that I've been seeing a lot come up in the media is the price of eggs. So it's a, it's a big issue that people are concerned about. There's lots of talk about it. But one of the things that seems to be an ongoing theme is that some legislation that was passed way, way back in 2012, I believe it was, um, is what's being discussed. And what people are saying is that that legislation is essentially going to let the hens out of their cages. But that's not quite right, is it, Jess? No. It's not right, unfortunately. It'd be good if it was. Um, yeah, so back in 2012, it was announced that battery cages were going to be phased out over the course of 10 years. Um, unfortunately, shortly thereafter, it was announced that colony cages, which are essentially the same, uh, were going to be let into New Zealand as a replacement. So essentially what we've done in New Zealand is we've let them out of one cage and then just pushed them into another. But um, things are, you know, changing for the better at the moment, which we can chat about. But yeah, so people are kind of confused because in the media it's saying, oh, end of the cage age in New Zealand, but it's unfortunately not the case because colony cages will stay. Yes, that's an important point. What's the difference between a battery cage, which most people know about? Uh, what's the difference between a battery cage and a colony cage? Sadly, not too much. Um, so, a battery cage is called a couple of things. One of them is barren cage, but basically you've got maybe five hens in this tiny cage with nothing to do but eat. Um, there's just food in front of them and, and that's pretty much it. Um, so colony cages were brought in and I'm doing air quotes right now as a welfare friendly cage alternative. Um, but basically it's just a larger cage with even more animals shoved inside of it. So you can have up to 80 birds in a colony cage and they have the same amount of space as those in a battery cage. Um, but what they've done, the egg industry have done to sort of counter the argument that, you know, they they don't support the welfare of the hens. They've put um, a couple of perches in there and uh, a scratch pad. So, I mean, if you could see what they actually look like, you'd be laughing. Um, but obviously, around the world, those cages, colony cages, aren't acceptable anymore because they do not support the welfare of the hens. But yeah, that's the difference. A bigger cage with more birds in it, basically. So... 
help me understand this because if they are so similar and battery cages are being phased out and, and one of the big issues with those were you know the space that the hens had and obviously all of the other animal welfare issues that were involved in battery cages why is it legal then to have a colony cage if battery I just don't understand why like what's the rationale there well if we were following the animal welfare act colony cages would be well they are illegal too so basically the act says that animals must have the ability to express normal patterns of behavior and for a hen normal patterns of behavior are scratching um obviously exploring foraging for food dust bathing to you know remove parasites from their feathers sun basking all those kinds of things so it was found that battery cages cannot offer hens those opportunities. Um, the colony cages are the same. You know, a hen in a colony cage can't even stretch their wings or, you know, walk around freely. So they're both just as bad as each other. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that battery cages were brought in as a, a cheeky little loophole for the egg industry to keep animals in these cages. Um and they thought it would make New Zealanders happy, but obviously that's not the case, as we've seen. Um, the majority of New Zealanders don't don't want to see hens in any form of cage in New Zealand at all. So the the tricky part about all this is how is, is the code of welfare, right? It's the battery cages have been phased out because it's no longer in the code of welfare for hens, but um, colony cages remain in the code of welfare. I mean, that's 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 the problem, isn't isn't that right? Yeah. So, here in New Zealand, we have the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee, and they're the ones that offer advice to the government when it comes to the welfare of animals. So, honestly, it's really surprising that back in, I think it was 2013, they said they said to the government, yep, let's let colony cages in. It shouldn't have actually happened because around that time, I believe it was Germany, they even said, no, we're not, why would we let colony cages in when they're the same as battery cages? So it's been a real mess up. And what we've seen now is obviously, we can talk about this a bit more, but you know, the majority of the New Zealand food service industry have acknowledged colony cages are just as bad as battery cages and they don't want to buy those products anymore. And now we have all of these farmers who are kind of being left in the lurch because they've invested in colony farms after being told they're okay. And um, unfortunately, they don't have a big buyer's market at the moment with everyone saying they're going to shift out of the colony cage market. That's really interesting as well because like we said right at the start of this what the media has been really focused on or what at least what I've seen in the media has been extremely focused on the cost but you've also just said that retailers are you know wanting to phase all of this out so why is that why is that happening why are we so focused on that cost when even retailers now are starting to understand that it's it's much more than that. It's about the welfare as well. Why do you think we're still so focused on that cost? Yeah, well, there's a reason why cage eggs are so cheap, and that's because the animals have next to nothing. They're very easy to farm, apparently, when you don't give them anything that gives them a life worth living. Um, so when when the discussion of cost does come up, it's it's interesting. I'm sure... You know, if people really looked at the way these animals are being farmed, they would understand why, you know, it's cheaper to buy a cage egg. Um, but there is the issue of feed. That's that's what's currently in the media. In the media, You know, the feed costs are going up, which is therefore making egg prices more expensive. 
Um, but there isn't that much of a difference between the, the different egg types. And uh, I know we probably won't have time for it, but one day we can talk about free range farming in New Zealand. It's a different, different talk. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the fact is New Zealanders are willing to pay more for products that don't cause anywhere near as much suffering as other products. And it's widely recognized that keeping an animal confined in a cage for the entirety of its life isn't okay. And New Zealanders, for the most part, are pretty supportive of not buying those kinds of products anymore. So you've said a couple of times now that, you know, most New Zealanders or a lot of New Zealanders at least don't want to see hens in cages. How do we know that? Well, we did a poll a few years ago and it found that 76% of New Zealanders don't support the caging of hens in New Zealand. Um, So that's a pretty decent indication. And then, of course, there is the fact that Again, the majority of New Zealand's food service industry is shifting away from purchasing any form of cage eggs. And, you know, then they don't make those decisions lightly. You know, for them, they, they are a business and they do need to make money. So the fact that they are confident in their decision to no longer purchase cage eggs is a clear indication that they are certain that, you know, their customers are going to be supportive of their decision. What's happening in other countries in regards to colony cages. I mean, obviously, you, you, you touched on Germany that uh, were well ahead of us when they decided that they need to, to get rid of them. What's what's happening globally in terms of this issue? Okay, everyone's miles ahead of us, unfortunately. We're catching up. Um, so, yeah, cages are being banned around the world right now. Um, the EU made a decision to get rid of all cages by 2027. I think 10 states in the US have announced that they won't – allow you to farm or sell eggs from cage farms. Um, in Europe, several countries have announced a ban, so many that I can't list them. But it's it's looking like very soon the majority of the world will no longer be supporting any form of caged hen farming. Um, so hopefully those trends will influence New Zealand to make the right decision and, and ban colony cages too. Yeah, it's pretty shocking actually because, you know, as we kind of discuss quite often, we as a country have this narrative and we stand quite proudly behind our, you know, our idea of ourselves as having these really amazing animal welfare laws and and us sort of being at the forefront of all that worldwide. But what you're saying is we're actually quite far behind in this area. So that's that's a wake-up call surely for us, I think, if we want to marry up how we see ourselves and how we actually act. Um, do you think, this is just a, a random thought that's popped into my head, do you think that this should be left up to retailers and, and consumers? Because, you know, a lot of the, the talk that we are discussing here is around the cost. It's around what people can choose and what they want. But actually what we're asking for is the government to step in. What are we actually wanting them to do? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's actually a little bit embarrassing that the food service industry is 10 steps ahead of the government, to be honest. It shouldn't be them saying, you know, these products are unethical and they shouldn't be on the shelves anymore. That really should be the government um, that's making that announcement and those decisions for us. Um and it's, it's, it's put farmers in an odd position, isn't it? So they're having to cater to, you know, the food service industry. The majority of major cage egg farming businesses are transitioning to cage-free farms specifically for the food service industry, not under any advice from the government or the egg industry. Um, 
which is a shame. You know, it would have been nice if our government had stepped up and, and said, you know, yep, we're getting these out of here. Um, here's a clear direction for you to follow. But that has not been the case. It has been almost entirely, well, it has been entirely consumers and the food service industry that have caused this change in New Zealand. Uh, 10 years ago, 83% of hens in New Zealand were farmed in battery cages, um, which is terrible. That's a lot of animals. Um, but now significantly less so just because of, of um, industry trends. I believe 1.2 million hens are currently confined in colony cages at the moment. And, you know, if, if we hadn't have made the steps we have, it would have been much higher than that. It would have just been all the battery flock shoved into the colony flock. So it's, it's, it's interesting what has happened, but obviously it's a good thing. It just shows New Zealanders what their, what their choices actually can do, how they can influence the welfare of animals through their, their consumer choices. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it seems like such an odd choice to make for the government to have banned, or be banning, I should say, battery cages but leaving colony cages essentially legal because, like you say, so many people are against the caging of hens, as they as they should be, to be fair, it is written into our law. Um, it just seems a really odd step for them to take it seems like they're almost causing more problems for the farmers rather than just saying these need to be gone entirely by this time. They're kind of doing this weird phase out. I don't know. It just seems an odd choice. Yeah. Well, that decision really has let down the egg farming industry. So you've got these farmers that invested millions in colony farms thinking they're the next step away from battery cages. And, you know, with the way the world's moving now, you know, colony cages are becoming ex obsolete. Hopefully they'll be banned in New Zealand very soon. So these farmers have followed the advice of the government who were trying to find ways to cut corners. How can we farm animals in the cheapest way possible while only giving them a little bit of uh, a decent life, which in a colony cage is just a couple of, you know, kind of crappy perches. You know, they've cut corners and now and now the industry's paying the price. Um and when we're talking about, you know, NAWAC, the Animal Welfare Advisory Committee, it is extremely disappointing that that decision was made. Um, allowing colony cages into New Zealand was not a decision made for the welfare of animals, in my opinion, and I'm sure others will share this. It was a decision made for the egg industry on how they can continue farming animals, you know, as intensively as possible. Okay, that's a point that I actually didn't know. So are you saying that it was colony cages were brought into New Zealand after this idea of phasing out battery cages was already in the lexicon. Is that what happened? So it wasn't that there was battery cages and colony cages and free range eggs all as options. It was that it was battery cages that were then, they were told that those were going to be banned and then they've allowed colony cages in as a replacement. Is that what happened? Yep, that's what happened. What? And look who we are today. <laughs> it's almost like a, um, a, a, perhaps they probably thought that it was a bait and switch that they would get away with, that people would think, oh, this is a better welfare system, so this is okay. And perhaps did it couldn't foresee that um people who care about the welfare of animals would look at these cages and think no this these these are just as bad um i i found it was quite telling at the political panel that safe ran at the last election uh damien o'connor 
said something along the lines of, I wouldn't be investing in colony cages and I don't think any other smart person would be either, which really says a lot that nearly, you know, eight years or so, about seven or eight years after that decision was made to phase in colony cages, that the Minister of Agriculture was essentially signalling that, you know, colony cages are a rubbish investment. So, um, they really screwed that up, didn't they? They definitely did. Well, okay. You know what, though? One thing that we can take from this, and I think... Um, it's sort of giving me some hope is that we obviously have done this before, right? So we've, we've got battery cages phased out and they're coming to an end so soon. Um, As you know, dawn breaks for next year, colony cages, sorry, battery cages are going to be gone. So that kind of gives me an indication that we can do this again. Um, It just means that we need to keep the pressure on a little bit. So, and that's what you guys are doing. So can you tell us a little bit about what, uh, the team is up to in terms of this this campaign? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so right now we're calling for a ban on all cage egg farming, okay? So we don't want colony cages to be banned and then have a new cage brought in like they've done in the past. We know that doesn't work. Um, so we're calling for a ban on colony cage farming and now's the right time to do it. So NAWAC, let's hope they they make a good choice this time round, um, are reviewing the code of welfare for hens. Um, and we've been calling on them to recommend a ban on colony cage farming because it does not align with our Animal Welfare Act. Hopefully they'll be looking at what's going on around the world. Like I said before, too many countries to count have banned colony cage farming. So let's hope that they're paying attention to that. We've got a petition running at the moment where we're calling on the Minister of Agriculture to ban the caging of hens in New Zealand. Um, so if you're interested in signing that and sharing it with everyone you know, you can go to our site and find it right there. Right now is, is the time to get every single hen in New Zealand out of these awful cages and we're not going to stop until, until it's across the line. And do you know what, Jess? A lot of people probably don't know this, but you um, actually have gone to a couple of hen rescues and you've taken some hens home with you. And it's just amazing to watch them. And I've only watched it over a video. So it must be really, really amazing to watch them come out of those cages where they've lived that life that you've already discussed. That's, you know, it's, it's horrific. And then see them kind of blossom. How how does it feel? Oh, it's, it's both amazing and heartbreaking. Um, It's funny because these hens have spent obviously their entire lives in these awful little cages. And then the second you show them a little bit of kindness, they're so trusting. Um, They follow me everywhere I go. They sit on my lap. They sleep next to me when I'm hanging out with them in the garden. Um, Yeah, I wish everyone in New Zealand could get a chance to get to know a hen um, because they are really, really wonderful little animals. And yeah, it's been been really nice to give them the opportunity to have a, a good life, the life that they deserved. Yeah, I love chickens. (laughs) <laughs> and if you want to come and get to know Jess's hens sort of um, by proxy, you can jump onto our social media because we are going to be sharing those um, videos across there in the coming weeks as well. So you will get to see it a little bit, not quite as um, well as Jess will, but you will get a taste. Okay. Lots of people, I guess, probably have an idea about what a battery cage is and looks like. And if they don't, I mean, that's a whole that's a whole nother issue. But what if people have just no sort of frame of reference for a colony cage? How can they find out what that looks like if they want to know? 
Um, you can go to our website and and see for yourself what a colony cage looks like. I wouldn't recommend going to like the egg industries page to look at it. They've got a very sanitized, um, <laughs> very sanitized images of what a colony cage looks like. But if you go to our site, um, you can see what they actually look like. We have had images sent to us from people who work in the industry who want people to know how terrible it is. Um, we've had footage sent to us from animal activists. Um, yeah. So if you want to see what a real colony farm looks like, you can go to our site. That's an interesting point, actually, that sanitization, um, because going past the eggs in the supermarket, oftentimes people don't know, unless it explicitly says battery egg, they often don't know what all of these sort of bits in between free range and battery are because it is very sanitized in terms of the the wording everything around it I know just from my own personal experience I was in the supermarket with somebody who was looking at the eggs and just said what what are colony eggs because they're not called colony cage eggs they're called colony eggs and that actually sounds kind of nice to be honest they're like they're in a colony they're in a group they're they're having a great time so what would be your advice to somebody who is going to buy eggs? I mean, we, we've got lots of information on our website about how you can replace eggs. Um, but if somebody is going to go and buy eggs, what what should they look out for and what should they be really worried about? Well, um, so yeah, you're very right. So the egg industry tried to, to trick us a little bit. You know, they've put colony laid on colony cage eggs. Whereas if you've got a battery cage egg product beside it, it just says cage egg. Um so, yeah, consumers are kind of getting tricked a little bit there. They should both say cage eggs. They both are cage eggs. Um, then you've got the other industries. You've got barn, and those hens are kept in a large indoor barn. They don't get to go outside, um, but they are not in cages. And then, of course, you've got your free-range eggs too. Um, again, one day we can talk about free-range, but those hens technically should be allowed access outside. As someone who knows a lot about the egg industry – my advice to everyone would be to go and look at some egg-free options. Good call. We can all agree on that. That's for sure. Shall we move on to our next topic? It's been the talk of the town this week with the annual um, race that allegedly stops the nation. It didn't stop my my work day, that's for sure. Uh, but the Melbourne Cup this week was all over the media as usual and... The same old tired arguments get um, trotted out, for lack of a better word, don't they, Courtney? They do. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've been following this quite closely in the media just to sort of see what people are saying. And it's really interesting to see the arguments that are made by the racing industry. One of the things that keeps coming up has been that horses love to race, right? They love to run. Some horses are just born to race. And it's just, to me, it just rings so strangely because it's like if you put that into context in any other scenario where somebody enjoys something, something, so therefore we can make money off it and, and sort of force them to do it and whip them while they do it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like I was saying to you guys earlier this morning, like I love food, but it doesn't mean that I want to be whipped while I have food shoved down my throat. It doesn't make sense. It's not a good argument. Um... 
But I do know that, Will, you have been talking to media quite a bit this week, and it's been really interesting to hear the questions that they have for you because it does seem like there is some nuance here and there is a bit of a narrative change. Is that what you've been finding as well? Yeah, I did find that. Yeah, the the I did an interview with TVNZ's uh, Re News, and they were specifically asking um, whether or not younger people were, uh, or whether we've noticed that younger people are, becoming more concerned about the animal welfare, the negative animal welfare aspects of horse racing. Um, So the impression I got from that interview was they were definitely seeing a narrative that people are starting to realize that horse racing isn't that great for the horses. If you just look at the numbers alone, like in the last nine years, seven horses have died in the Melbourne Cup. Um, Nine horses have died in the horse racing industry in New Zealand just this year alone. Um, So it definitely has a a negative impact. It's a little bit like greyhound racing where the greyhound racing industry loves to say that that greyhounds love to race. They don't love to race. They love to run. But you're forcing them to run in this environment that is dangerous to them. And it's similar for a horse. It's just one step further. You've got a, a jockey on their back. Yeah, we've got, we had some criticism from someone in the horse racing industry that basically wanted this, as far as I were concerned, they thought that we didn't know what we were talking about and and just saying that we're a bunch of townies that don't know anything about animals. I mean, that's all, all you need to know about their, um, their level of understanding of the issue. There was a protest up north. Um, Jess, did you or any of your team go to that? We did have someone go. They got some good photos. Um yeah, it looked like a good turnout. Everyone who was protesting looked like they were having a good time. And the people scampering past to go put their bets on looked a bit guilty, which, you know, I think it is important to remember that when it comes to Melbourne Cup, a lot of people just want an excuse to get together with their friends. And I'm sure, you know, a decent amount of them aren't even putting bets on. I completely agree. It's 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 similar with Cup Day down here in Christchurch, which I think is next week or the week after. Um, it's on a Tuesday um, every year. And I've never been to Cup Day, but I've when I was in my early 20s, I had many friends who would go and... Yeah, they would put on a cheap suit and essentially go and have a piss up. Very few of them actually placed any bets. Um, and most of them who did place bets weren't, you know, active gamblers or anything like that. They were just going for the for the, the party aspect for of it. And it's a chance to, to, to dress up a little bit. And I just... I, I, and I never went to the Cup Day in Christchurch. It's such a Christchurch institution. I've, I never went and I've never been... Um, and I just can't understand why you need a horse race to do all of that. Like, there is so many other activities and things that we can do that where you can, you know, dress up and have some champagne or Lindau most likely and, and have a good time without have, without having to, you know, contribute to this, this equestrian event that is harming animals. That's true. But then, you know, it seems to be this thing that, you almost have to have this this linchpin event for everybody to be able to feel like it's okay to stop. You know, it's a holiday in Melbourne. Um, everybody here sort of, it's used as this thing that people can rally around. Do you think there's like some kind of a way that we could pull it away from something like the Melbourne Cup or Cup Day and make something new because I almost feel like it needs to be, you know, embedded in 
in our national identity. I know that's what they they talk about with um, the wording. Again, it's almost that sanitization, the race that stops a nation, um, trying to make this really feel like a national event, something that everybody can rally behind. It's, it's something that identifies you as an Australian. It just seems like we need to, to put embed something in our psychology that it's okay to do this without having to go to a race, to having to watch horses race and I don't know how we do that perhaps it could be around a different sporting event perhaps it could be around I don't know the the opportunities are endless but it just does seem like there needs to be something that's put in place that people feel it's okay to go and have their Lindauer and dress up in their cheap suits that they don't have to go and watch a, a horse race do you know what I mean when I say that that was a bit of a roundabout way of explaining it but Feels like that to me. One thing I've just thought of, I would be very interested in um, some polling in how many people actually take any notice of the Melbourne Cup each year. Because there is this narrative that it is the race that stops the nation. But is it really? Like, that's just the prevailing narrative. But, like, what proportion of society actually down down tools for the day or the afternoon to watch the Melbourne Cup? I don't know. If there's anyone listening who has a research and polling company, I'd be so interested to find out what proportion of people actually give a damn you know yeah well that's actually interesting because the guardian had a an article about exactly that you know they're talking about how it used to be the race that stopped a nation um but now there's so much more with that it's not just going to a horse race it's talking about you know the ills that are associated with gambling it's talking about animal cruelty it's talking about the domestic violence rates that go up you know there's so much that radiates outwards from this that it's not just seen as this good time let loose have a have a free-for-all anymore by a lot of people so there's more that's coming into it and it's wonderful to hear that but what that means is that actually a lot less people seem to be going to the Melbourne Cup I think it was titled ambivalence towards horse racing leaves Melbourne Cup half full which was I did enjoy that but it does you know it is it is starting to get more of an understanding I think behind what actually the impacts are I've run out of hot takes. <laughs> well, well, I have one more. I just, I found this really interesting because there was a piece that I saw and where was it from? Let me find it. I think it was, oh, it was from the Northland Age. So um, a man called Peter Jackson uh, has written for the Northern Age talking about. Not the same Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Criticism of racing is nothing new, but has failed to gain much traction, which I found really interesting based on what we've just discussed, which was in The Guardian, which I do trust a little bit more um, and has a little bit more of an understanding to it. This is really just sort of a a hot take from from Mr. Jackson here. But failed to gain much traction. I really struggle to understand why that take has been made because of course it has. Of course people are understanding. The nup to the cup hashtag trends every year we see more and more people at these protests we have people calling us asking about whether or not we should even be having horse racing anymore so there's traction being gained absolutely and i think i take some some solace in that i think in 10 years we'll we'll be um looking at melbourne cup day and there won't be anyone there to be honest I agree. It's my projection. I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, while we still have you, Jess, um, you're the head of campaigns. What other work are you, is your team doing at the moment that you that you want to discuss? Um, I mean, that's a that's a big question. There's so much that you guys do in the campaign space. But is there any last topics you want to chat about today? Yeah, I mean, yes, there are there are quite a few things that we are working on at the moment. But 
there is a campaign um, that we're going to be focusing on quite heavily in the next year, and that's our call for a commissioner for animals. Um, it's something we've been talking about for quite a while, um, something that certainly is needed here in New Zealand. Um, animals in New Zealand need a voice. They need someone there to represent them with their best interests. Currently, that's not what's happening. That's not the case, unfortunately. Um, so at the moment, SAFE is teaming up with animal organisations across the country, and we are calling for that commissioner to come in and take a look at the way animals in New Zealand are being farmed, the way animals are being treated, to try and improve conditions for New Zealand's animals. Um, you know, and that's not a big ask, is it? Yeah, right now we've got a, a petition running um, where we're asking Kiwis to go and sign and share with everyone they know. This won't just impact farmed animals, it will impact all animals in New Zealand. You, you just said at the moment, the way things are working aren't working. How are things work? Like what is actually happening? What kind of oversight is there right now that we have noticed obviously isn't working? What's happening? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is the fact that, um, for example, farmed animals, you know, they their welfare is overseen by the Ministry for Primary Industries, which is a conflict of interest because the Ministry for Primary Industries' interest is improving animal agriculture and making it, um, you know, a sustainable income for New Zealand. Um, so it doesn't make sense for for animals, for their welfare to be overseen by the same group of people whose job it is is to, to encourage farming. Um, and, you know, I won't get too much into it, but there have been so many cases, and Will, you'll know, where we've, we've brought up very serious animal welfare concerns and nothing has been done um, by MPI or very little has been done. And there are so many animals in New Zealand. What is it, 180 million farmed animals in New Zealand um, and that's just on land that doesn't include fish um, and currently the system isn't working in their favour, these animals are not being given the protection that they should be getting under the law our government needs to recognise this and make these improvements You know, calling for a commissioner has been something that's been on our radar for a very very long time and you know, I think the government has has assumed that we're not going to push for it, um, but we will. And this campaign is getting a lot of support. Um, and what we really need to do is just help New Zealanders understand how a commissioner will benefit animals in New Zealand. It's crazy that in New Zealand we've got, you know, we've got a commissioner for the environment, for example. We've got a commissioner for um, for, for climate change. We've got a commissioner for for children. We've got commissioners for these for these groups and these sectors of society that have been neglected and um, to give independent oversight on those issues. And as you've, you've, you've pointed out, Jess, there is no independent oversight of animal welfare because um, the oversight is the Ministry for Primary Industries that is not even remotely independent. And you're absolutely right. It's, absolutely, it's frustrating dealing with, with the Ministry for Primary Industries because you'll talk to them about things like, you know, shelter on farms and the way they see it is to have shelter on farms, it's going to have to change the way that we farm. So it's not something that we're really interested in, in looking into. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, so having a commissioner, I think, would be a massive step forward in 
um, getting some um, independent policy that benefits the animals. Um, Definitely. Yeah. The whole industry needs a review. In terms of what a commissioner would actually look like, Jess, because, you know, in practice, I mean, to be fair, this may show my ignorance. That's okay. I know that there's a commissioner for children. I know there's a commissioner for, you know, climate change. But I actually don't know what it is that they would do day to day. What would a commissioner for animals do? Like, what would their their job look like? Well, first and foremost, what we would need is for a complete review of the way animals in New Zealand are farmed, the way they're treated, and how the current laws don't um, support their welfare. So that... That in itself is huge. So we need someone to come in and identify these issues and come up with the solutions for them. So like Will just said, shelter. According to the Act, animals must have the ability to access shade and shelter. You know, that's in our law. Yet, I'm sure when you're driving down the highway, you'll look to your side and there's cows in the blazing sun with nowhere to go or in the pouring rain. You know, so we just need someone to come and identify these issues first, which will be a big job. But that's just the first step. And then hopefully we'll have someone whose interest lays only with animal welfare and isn't going to be um, influenced by the industries. We need someone who's independent completely. So it'll be a really big job. But first and foremost, it is a review, a complete review of the way animals in New Zealand are treated. Yeah, it is interesting because it's almost like having you know a ministry for the environment being overseen by Caltex. really you know like it just kind of doesn't really make any sense so I think yeah this is such an important thing and it's really cool to hear all of the support that it's getting from all of these different you know animal groups because this is something that's going to touch everybody it's going to touch every animal in the country Um, there's not anything that's going to be sort of left out from this so it's really really cool and it's really awesome to see people coming together on this and i think it's such an exciting campaign oh definitely watch this space we'll get a commissioner so where can people go just to find out more about this definitely so go to our website um we've got a page there which talks about the benefits of a commissioner why it's essential why we need one um and there's also a petition where you can sign your name to it share it with everyone you know um Next year, you'll be seeing a lot more from SAFE regarding a commissioner for animals. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's definitely something worth fighting for. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today. It's great to have you on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by Safer Animals, Aotearoa's leading animal rights organisation. We release new episodes every fortnight, mostly. Uh, So make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animal matters. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, mate wa.